Hey podcast listeners, welcome back to another episode of Confessions of an Ex-Mormon. I'm your host, Allie, and on today's episode we have my friend Taylor, and he is still an active member of the LDS faith, aka a true believing Mormon, aka TBM. <laughs> and on today's episode we discuss some of the foundations of his, his faith, um, why it's important to talk to people who have different belief systems, the importance of accepting everyone as they are, and some psychological concepts. So join us today for a brand new type of episode. As always, uh, I would love to connect with you, so send me an email at confessionsofanexmo at gmail.com or find me on Instagram and TikTok at confessionsofanexmo. Hope to hear from you soon and enjoy today's show. Hey, everybody. This is Taylor. Taylor, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. You know, just enjoying good Sunday. Went to the gym before I went to uh, church and stuff. And it was great because I was uh, kind of sitting at, in the pews and we had kids in front of us, kids behind us, and then our kids. So I, I literally didn't hear anything at all, <laughs> except kids talking about trucks or whining and screaming. But you know the, over, <laughs> the overall that. thing, yeah, yeah. It's it's it was just one of those days where you're just sitting there like I have no idea what's going on. They could be telling me that the world is ending or the second coming has happened, and I I won't even know because I'll guess I'll <laughs> catch it on social media or something. But <laughs> but no, everything everything's going super good. I'm super happy just to talk to you. I think that. Um, what you're doing, Allie, is something very important that I think a lot of people are just kind of scared to do. And so I was, it was just so, yeah, it was just really weird because I was on Facebook and then I saw like, and I love it when people that I sort of know or kind of grew up with have their podcasts. And then so I was like, oh, like, I want to go listen to this one. And so I started listening. I was like, ooh, like, you do touch on some good topics. But I think the overall census is just kind of creating a platform where um, you can reason out stuff and also create an environment where, you know, people can just talk and precisely from yes. what at least I listened to on your podcast with all the episodes you have, it definitely sounded like you didn't grow up with that. Um, no. Or at least had that. So, so I'm <laughs> no, sorry so that much. you, I'm not saying I necessarily had that, but I did have kind of moments where it wasn't as negative as probably what you experienced. So yeah, but I'm I'm just super proud of you for doing that, and it's been a lot of fun to listen. There's a lot of different Thank things you. that I'm learning, but also at the same time, I was like, oh, like I'm not sure if I agree with that, but that's the that's the fun part is that it's a, being discussed, it's being talked about. So, yeah, exactly. So, um, just for our listeners here, we you and I haven't uh, talked in a while, but for everybody, we we went to uh, what. I think uh, that we were Fort, in elementary school together, were we? Yeah. We, did you go to, you went to Harriman Elementary? I guess we did. <laughs> I, yeah. I was, I was going to say, if you did, I did. I know exactly. I, it's weird when I pass by that place because I'm out here in Harriman actually right now. We kind of moved back and it's just weird. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. Yeah. So yeah. And, and you, I went, we went to school together for many years. We sort of ran in the same circles, but didn't really uh, hang out much. 
I mean, we'd see each other at church events, things for the, like, I don't know, the young single adult. Well, even before that, like, uh, yeah, honestly, it was like really just at school, I think. I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't remember much. It's just, but it's weird because, you know, you like, you remember high high school people. Anyway. (laughs) <laughs> so uh, Taylor and I haven't uh, actually talked in a while. I mean, we we spoke last week, but um, Taylor reached out to me uh, as he mentioned uh, after he listened to my podcast for a minute. And just for context here, Taylor is still an active member of uh, the LDS Church, and I wanted to get some of his perspectives on here. We he had mentioned a few things to me how you have some like different perspectives on church doctrine. Is that correct? Yeah, more or less. Um, I think kind of, I guess the way that I view the world is not necessarily different or anything like that. In fact, every person has their like point of view. Right. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you try to put yourself in somebody's shoes and try to understand like, okay, where are you coming from? What makes you tick? And also why are you approaching it like this when I approach it like that? And I guess the best way I can like describe it is um, this is this is how I this is how I tend to explain it is that um, imagine you're in you're going to a paint gallery and it's a new like unveiling of this super amazing art piece by this very famous artist and the crazy thing is is that it's to view it is not necessarily a frontal view it's more of a there's a 3D aspect so people can walk around it. However, it's kind of like in a circular plane. I don't know if I'm making sense. So if it is that I'm saying something that's like, oh, can you please explain that a little better? I'll do my best. Okay. Um, I, I think I'm getting honestly, the concept. <laughs> so think of it as like a circle. And okay. everyone can view this piece of art from all 360 degrees. There's 360 views that you can see this, this art piece. Now, the trick is, is that with life, it's kind of like that, where you can see it from multiple angles. In fact, 360, um, just in that plane. We're not even going to get into like spheres and stuff. But um, uh, but the thing is, is that life and what God is, is kind of this art piece that everyone's staring at. But you're only fixed in one degree around that circle. And everyone's looking at it. So one person... Mm-hmm who's next to you could probably have similar views and see kind of some of the stuff you see, or maybe see just a little bit more. But if you go to like the 90 degree, the 180, the 270, like those are entirely different point of views. In fact, the 180 is, you know, when they say like, Oh, you flipped a 180, it's like the exact opposite. And so what happens is, is everyone's kind of lined up. Let's say there's like 360 people all around staring at this and you can't move. Your only viewpoint is right there. If you really want to figure out what the entirety of this art piece is, is you have to talk to people. You have to ask them, hey, what do you see? Can you describe it to me? And I feel like that's how people um, more or less learn more about God, learn more about life in general, is you talk to people and their experiences, whether good or bad. um, And then you kind of can piece together more things. Obviously you can't see um, entirely their point of view or you can't, but you can kind of envision it and try to put yourself in their shoes without seeing what they see. And that's kind of like life where you, you experience things, but only 
for you and maybe some people close to you that are like right next to you, like one degree, two degree, um, just right next to you, uh, definitely have experienced similar things, but they haven't experienced your life. So that's what makes yours unique. And some people tend to, you tend to be closer to people that have it, those same experiences, but oh, I think in order. Okay. Yeah. So is that, is that making sense? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Is. I like that concept a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that that's, you know, that's something I'm trying to do here with this podcast is get a well-rounded view of everything surrounding Mormonism, right? Yeah. Like, uh, oh, for sure. wanting, yeah, having you here and then um, people who have left the church, people who may be in the process of joining. I want, I want anybody on here who wants to share their stories. Cause I think it's important to have these conversations. Um, like I mentioned before, I, on previous podcasts and you were talking about, but I had, didn't have a lot of uh, conversations about, uh, I guess like church history and uh, <laughs> negative feelings that I might've had within the church and things like that. So um, mm-hmm. I, I love that concept of like talking to everybody to get the different viewpoints. Yeah. And these are like, you know, like small conversations like, yeah, what do you think about God? It's more like, like kind of, you know, you get to know somebody and then when they finally open up and tell you like, Hey man, like, I'm gonna be honest. Like, I think this is a lot of crap or maybe this, I don't get this. Um, just recently, my wife and I have been talking a lot about um, just like priesthood power and what that means and how does it revolve around the will of God and does it matter if you're worthy? Does it not? And so there's a, there's a lot of things that I think, I think it's always better to talk about it out loud than to hide it, shun it and make people feel bad for even bringing it up, you know, cause then you're just going to have a bad taste in your mouth and questions do need to be answered. And I think questions being asked is just like a good way for everyone to learn more and kind of open up to new perspectives. Mm, I completely agree. So a um, couple questions. I have a little list of questions here for you. Uh, okay. When we had our last conversation. So, um, sure. but I wanted to know like uh, what makes you like, what in the church makes you tick? Like, why do you love it? And what's, what's kept you there? Cause it's a, it's a difficult faith. Uh, oh yeah in terms of like the way the rest of the world lives. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what makes you love it? Um, I think in order to answer that question, I'll kind of describe a little more about myself and just my background. Um, I've worked in healthcare for about 10 years. I worked in the emergency department for about seven of those. I've done uh, medical assisting type work and as well as like medical consulting um, for about three of those years and kind of in that time frame, I've met a lot of people who I guess with in like a church kind of like dictionary would say like, Oh, this is what's considered wicked or this is what's considered good. And this is what's considered sacred. And this is what's considered wrong or morally wrong and all that stuff. But the, I always, I've always kind of, I was 18 when I worked, started working in the ER. I, uh, I got straight out of the, um, out of high school, went into working in the emergency department and here in Utah. And boy, I, 
my bubble was popped. I, uh, mm, <laughs> I just experienced. I like, well, you know, it's I'm gonna just be honest on this podcast and feel free to you know censor me if it's something like <laughs> oh here like that is a bit much. But it's honestly like things you see where you're just like I did not know humans were capable of that. Or mm. <laughs> like you see people, there's like genuine accidents, but there's also like real harm that's done to people, kids. Uh, you see um, uh, people who are absolutely psychotic off meds or haven't even had the chance to be diagnosed. And then there's people that are, I mean, I my, me personally, I've met like people who were definitely schizophrenic and were telling me that they were seeing Joseph Smith in the room. And it was, uh, it was one of those things you're like, Oh, okay. Um, that's great. <laughs> However, I need you to put your gown back on. You're naked, you're stark naked and you're starting to scare other patients. Uh, and, uh, you're, you're starting to, you know, uh, provide hostile behavior. And so it's just, it's just those things where, um, I've had a lot of experience and I'm very blessed to say that I've been able to see a lot of human beings at their low points and also a lot of them at their high points with like heroism, um, sacrifices, or just pure hope and, and joy. And so kind of having that viewpoint or those viewpoints and those experiences has kind of helped me understand, okay, um, in order for, thing bad things to be avoided which involve other people so for example um in order for me to not just kind of come out here for example and start slandering you or saying like oh you're awful because you're not in the church or you don't believe what i believe that's like that's not something you know like that's not something i'm going to do because the point is is that god doesn't tell me hey hate people it tells me to love people and so there's this deeper level of reasoning and and kind of a organized way to help people get on the right track to figuring out, hey, instead of being an asshole all the time, why don't you shape up, do a little better, and try to be nice with your neighbor? Like, that's honestly, like, the, what it comes down to is, is treating people good. Now, granted, I think a lot of it gets mixed up in personal beliefs and also mm-hmm. um, what people misconstrue misconstrue as as truth or as a oh this is what god would want and so that's kind of i don't know if that explains a lot but that's kind of like my stance with the reason i go to church is because at the base it teaches me to be a better person and it also pushes me to get out of my comfort zone and go help others Okay, sure. I like that. Something something else that we had talked about previously that I thought was interesting is how do you reconcile the church being a, like a changing entity? Because, <clears throat> you know, things are always changing. And I think that that's something that a lot of members find have found difficult. People leave, you know, the, when the, maybe the temple... Uh, ceremony changes or like when the Mm -hmm. garments changed and Mm -hmm. I know there are time times people have left in droves during things like that so how do you reconcile when um when there are changes in the church um I think it comes down to you as an individual to understand that 
you know, the whole point of God even existing, like if you believe in God, okay, what's the purpose? And the purpose is, is to create someone better. Um, according to um, the LDS faith, um, we're taught that, you know, God's purpose is to bring, to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. And, but what does that mean? What does it mean to live forever and, you know, be eternal and stuff? And I think it's to better yourself. Um, so what happens a lot of times is when there's change, people are not really happy to change, you know, um, working in the medical field again, I'll use this as a good uh, example is like, uh, great. We have to, we have to change procedure or there's a new, um, invention that helps better things, but we have to learn it. Or my favorite, if anyone's listening to this, that gets the medical field is that there's always updates to, um, your charting system. And it's always a lot of work <laughs> to relearn mm. it. Or learn. And so it's just like, oh, here's how you chart. And here's all these little buttons to push. And you're just like this. I just got used to the old one. Why am I changing now? And I think that kind of helps prevent complacency. And so in the church, when things are changing, I think it's for the better. You know, like the church teaches you as an individual, hey, or at least the doctrine, I should say, teaches you as an individual to better yourself, to change. I mean, it doesn't make sense to change if you've kind of messed up, you know, if you've done, if you've hurt someone and you just can't forgive yourself or if you just feel inadequate all the time, you know, like it, it doesn't make sense to even progress. You're just like, why am I here? What's the point? Um, why don't I just end things now? And I don't think that's what God ever intends for people. I think he wants to help us understand like, Hey, like you can do better, but also us as a group can do better. And then, um, but also I'm a, but also I think, things change, you know, like I don't think pioneers ever thought of dealing with like AI and iPhones <laughs> as part of their titles <laughs> or, or sure. I think what's really crazy right now is um, uh, just all of the information that you can have access to, which is a good thing, but also it can be a bad thing. There's always, there's always opposites to everything good and bad, you know, like, you know, uh, you can definitely experience that. And so, with a changing church, that means that um, there's new ways to kind of hurt yourself and others. And so what the church is doing is trying to help change with that, not necessarily because they're like, oh, we're not updated, but more of, hey, here's a new problem. Here's how we need to address it. And so does that does that help make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, Any follow-up questions? I, or Yeah, well... Just kind of along those same lines, my one thing that I always had a problem with um, was like the the idea that, you know, God is the same yesterday, today and forever. Mm -hmm. And then um, also with the, you know, quote unquote, restored church, it being the original one brought back, but then things are still constantly changing. Like, uh, people talk about the church being perfect, but the people not being perfect. Like, I, I definitely don't think the church is perfect. Um, especially if it's constantly having to change. Mm -hmm. So like, 
I don't know. What are your oh, thoughts are, on that? No, those are actually really good questions. I love those questions. I think um, to understand the basis, you know, you kind of um, want to go to like Jesus, right? I mean, just look at Jesus's life. When he showed up, there was already temples. There was already kind of a church established and worship. And he went around just telling people like, hey, instead of like doing sacrifices, we're going to do the sacrament and do it in my name and all this stuff. And uh, I think the the matter of the fact is when he came, he kind of told people like, hey, we're changing, but not necessarily changing like for worse or changing for um, what's the word I'm looking for. Like we're trying to change in order to get better. There's a newer way to do things. There's a newer way to learn and there's more truths, more ways of going about it. I think when you say, you know, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, I think that's more on the concepts of like justice and what is right and wrong. Or it's like, okay, you can easily kind of go down a rabbit hole of saying like, is this right or wrong? Well, you have to ask yourself, okay, this will actually kind of segue into what I did want to talk about today. Um, so maybe, maybe what I'll do is I'll just share it now and maybe that'll kind of help because, um, I'm a firm believer that there's different types of learning, but also different stages of it. Um, what you learned as a kid versus what you learned as a teenager, as a young adult, and even now, you look at the same thing with a different perspective, right? Like, I'm pretty sure if you put yourself with every one of you each year, like, oh, the 12, from like one year old to your age now, just like, you're going to have a lot of different opinions based on that experience. And so with God putting us out there saying, hey, like, you're going to experience good. You're also going to experience bad. So you can learn for yourself what good and bad is. And so when you yourself are developing morals and developing um, kind of a concept of what God really is, um, it kind of falls into um, Lawrence Kohlberg's stages of moral development. I don't know. Have you ever learned about Kohlberg's stages of development? Or Probably. Or- Probably in college. <laughs> well, granted, I'm not, a, I'm not a psychology professor. I'm just a guy with, you know, uh, I, I, I'm better at reading stuff off of Google and also just learning. But um, in my undergrad, I did learn a lot of things about psychology that just makes sense. Okay. Tell me about it. So, yeah. So here's, here's what it is, is that he has this theory about moral development. And there's three stages And in each stage, there's like two points. And so I'll kind of go through them briefly. And then if you want, I can totally send you or just create a link of like, hey, here's this. And if you want to go learn more about it, it kind of helped me conceptualize um, that change aspect. Yeah, I'll I'll link that in the show notes, whatever you send me. For sure. Um, So the first one is called the pre-conventional. And it's this is kind of like what a child maybe early teens experiences where it's um, direct self consequences or in other words like how am i oriented in the world and how can i get through it without dying so <laughs> as a child they don't necessarily understand 
um, right and wrong in that sense, you know, like a kid mm-hmm. will bite you and you'll sit there and be like, ow, why did you do that? And they'll just laugh and maybe they'll continue that behavior. Uh, a good story that I'll share and that's kind of embarrassing, but this is just what my mom likes to remind me about is that when I was a kid, I used to go to swim class and I thought I was a crocodile. So I'd bite kids. And my mom <laughs> told me over and over again that I'm not a crocodile, but I, I wasn't listening. You know, I was probably like three or, you know, 17. I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> but the thing was, it's like my mom had to bite me in order for me to understand that what I was doing was bad, but I probably didn't understand it. I probably just understood that as, oh, if I do this behavior, mom will bite me. So I'm avoiding that. So the first one is punishment and orientation. So it's kind of like, how do I get through life without getting hurt? Uh-huh. So that's like the first part of the pre-conventional stage. And I think that's a lot Old Testament where you're sitting there and you're reading the Old Testament. It's like, and God killed these people and God smite this piece of person yes. because they weren't listening. So yes. I see that pattern of like, okay, maybe that's what God had to do because us as a human race can't necessarily understand like quantum physics or psychology or just all these deeper things that we take for granted nowadays. Like if you went back a hundred years from now, could you even explain half the things you learned in elementary school to somebody? Mm, right. That's so that's, so us as like people we're, we're evolving because we have more access to deeper concepts. And I think science helps build that. I think, all, or all the sciences, I should say, build that. Um, and it helps us experience more of the truth of what the world really is. And I don't think that's not a, like takes away from God. I actually think that those are what God uses to help, you know, work in the world and also just outside of it. So the second part of the pre-conventional phase is um, your self-interest driven. And so it's like, what's in it for me, Right. So these are, this is what children are learning. It's like, okay, I'm avoiding punishment, but also you kind of have to bribe kids sometimes. So it's like in the church, you can definitely see it as, hey, you know, if you do this, there are blessings associated with that. And it's like, oh, okay. Like if I do a good thing, a good reward will come. Now, granted, that's not necessarily very genuine or very, um, I don't know, like when you sit it's there not and say, measurable. yeah, yeah, not measurable, but you're just sitting there just like, hmm, okay, like, how can I get you to do more or do good without me having to like spank you, you know? Okay, like, if you do this, things will be better. Or here, if you do this, or like in the church, for example, they do talk a lot about um, blessings, you know, uh, reaching the celestial kingdom, for example, like, oh, if you do these things, it'll be good. But if you're just doing them because you want the reward, are you necessarily good? You know, like, are you doing it because some big man in the sky is telling you to do it and you're scared that you're going to be struck down with lightning or you're not going to get the reward? Or are you trying to kind of do it genuinely? Like, you're like, oh, I want to be good. I want to help people. I want to you know, create an environment of learning and trust and such. So those are the first like two stages um, of that first uh, pre-conventional stage. So the next stage or the next step up kind of happens more when you're an adolescent, 
or in a young adult, just depends. So this is called the conventional stage. And usually you're going to compare your behavior with your societal views um, or not with your societal views, but what society views as good and bad, you know? So the first one, it's granted, it's kind of a weird title, but it's called Good Boy, Nice Girl. Um, and what this is, is kind of like the behavior of your social group. So like you don't want to be excluded from having friends. You don't want to miss out and be like isolated in a sense. Uh And so what you tend to do is as a teenager is you kind of try to match your beliefs or your actions to that of your peer group a lot of the time. So you may not necessarily entirely agree or maybe as maybe a moral or as a a kid growing up Mormon, you're going to be like, yeah, I'm only going to have friends that are Mormon or I'm going to only find people that have the same things. So then it doesn't cause like issues or it doesn't cause contention or, um, or it doesn't make you feel isolated and you don't make them feel isolated. So it's kind of like this balance thing, but that on the general census, it's more of like, okay, like, am I approved in my social circle? If I go to church, for example, in like a biker outfit versus the regular suit and tie, is that going to cause issues? You know, are people going to not say anything, but are they going to not talk to me? Are they going to avoid me? So it's kind of like you're matching your behavior to fit in, so to speak. And so um, that's kind of the part of the first stage of that conventional state or that first part of that conventional stage. And the second one or of that or number four is uh, the law and order one. And it talks about how you, there's laws and you obey them and it helps generally promote good things in society. For example, thou shalt not kill. I think that's pretty well said that we should not be killing each other. Right. <laughs> yeah. <that's fair. laughs> yeah. Like that's just like a very basic one. And then um, you can already, I bet you you're already thinking of, uh, but who gets to decide those laws and what makes laws good and what makes laws bad and stuff. And so that's, that's kind of the question that a lot of people get to, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, why do you get to make laws if you're a prophet or why do you get to change the rules or why are, why is anything changing? Mm-hmm. Like, why are we changing or why are we doing this differently or why are we rewriting? And I think it's like, um, that's kind of like can be compared to like the covenants, you know, keep the commandments, like follow those orders, like uh, the 10 commandments and then, you know, follow the prophet, all these other things that, you know, you have to do, or it's like you do or die. Like if you don't do it, then you're going to jail. Or if you don't do it, you're not making it to the celestial kingdom. So that's like the thought process of it, but that's not exactly what it is. At least it just doesn't make sense to me that, everything's so strict or so um, black and white, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree so, with that. I mean, yeah. life isn't black and white. No, no, it's not. I think, I think, so you've noticed that up until this point, this is usually like where adolescent and young adult life is at, at most part. Most, everyone matures at their own age, but I definitely, I can, I can say that when I was like 17, 16, I wasn't really thinking more past that. I was just saying like, yeah, sure. I'll go to church. So that way, you know, I get, get to heaven, whatever. Like, but yeah. you don't really like, and that's the thing is it's just like, there's more, 
the older you get and the more life you experience, um, you definitely, or at least just the more experience you get in general, whether you're young or old, um, helps open the door to difficult thought processing that actually challenges those, which kind of goes into the, to the last stage. It's called the post-conventional stage. And it's, it talks more about like, uh, individualism and recognizing how unique people are. Cause before it was like, Oh, this is like how to make society function and not have everybody at war trying to hurt each other, or just how to not cause waves and, in your local church group. Um, so, but as you can probably, uh, or you've probably been able to talk to people and hear stories of, there's been instances where some people like, uh, Oh, what's a good one. Oh, a good one is the whole uh, gay marriage uh, topic that was going on when we were kind of graduating and even mm-hmm. before that, you know? Yeah. And so the question lies, it's like, okay, God, doesn't necessarily accept gays being married, at least what is being preached and what's being said. But I think what happens is because there is a law, people think that I can't love somebody or support them or can't. And somehow that affects like their happiness, you know? And so a lot of people stick around in like that law and order and, and that just drives like the fact that somebody breaks a commandment that makes them be like, Oh, I can't be around that person or, Oh, I can't love that person, you know? And so what happens is they're kind of stuck there. And Colbert did say that a lot of people tend to be stuck in the law and order, like the fourth stage, because it's like, they can't comprehend the, or they can't, handle the controversy in your own brain when you start to go against those laws. But um, I think what happens though with gay marriage, uh, a good story was um, I actually just talked to my uh, aunt and uncle about some stuff and they kind of shared their opinions about um, certain topics. But one of them was my uncle said, yeah, we were sitting there in this meeting and it was this new doctrine that came out or not doctrine, but just this kind of release statement from the church presidency. And they said, Hey, just so you know, um, this is where we stand as far as gay marriage. And this is, and what we think if somebody is looking to get their endowments and all, and there's a whole lot of stuff that went in there. And my uncle was there along with the rest of his ward, the bishop, and counselors were there, like, it was, it was all the men of the elders quorum, and they're kind of talking about it, and, or they read it together, and then they were all talking about it. Okay. And so my uncle told me that one of the coolest things that he's ever witnessed happened that day, where this bishop said, oh, um, Brother Smith, I don't know who it was really, but we'll just call him Brother Smith. He said, Brother Smith, would you be able to just talk on this matter um, just briefly and share your experience. And the guy got up and he said, um, this, he is basically like, my son just got married in the temple last or two weeks ago. Um, and he's the happiest he's ever been. And it's awesome. And literally a week after, or I'm, I'm getting the time screwed up, but he basically said like within a week span, his daughter 
married the love of her life and her and her wife are the happiest they've ever been. And a lot of it, it just went to show like, okay, here's this thing that was put out and it's not necessarily positive. It's not like you can get sealed for all time and eternity as a woman and a woman or a man and a man. But it showed that experience that he shared with me at least showed that that doesn't necessarily mean you treat them different, you know, like, I mean, God's God and he has his rules and there's just an order to things, but you're kind of like a lot of people will be like, Oh my gosh, like I can't handle the fact that your daughter's getting married to someone who's of the same sex. That just, that just makes no sense to me. And that's such, that's sin and abomination. But what he said is his daughter is the happiest she's ever been. And who are we to say like, that's bad, you know, like, Hey, people are happy when, like, when you see someone genuinely happy, how can you sit there and say like, I hate you? Or how can you say, I don't love you or I don't accept you, you know? So I think what happens is people get stuck in that law and order, but they're not able to advance to the further one, which is put yourself in their shoes, what they're going through. They have these unique uh, experiences that that you don't know what they're going through. Like I said, they're the, they're the 180 degree that's on the opposite side of that painting. You can't even see what's their perspective. But the thing is, is that you help, but when you kind of get past that, um, I should say like, once you get past that level of thought of it's not just law and order, but there's a lot more to it. I think that helps explain why church, the church as a whole is a church of progression of change to help better accept the mind or, or better develop a moral structure that's still grounded. I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, but. Yeah, I think it does. Kind of. Um, <laughs> Not really. Yeah, no, no, it, <laughs> it does. Um, I was just thinking how much I wanted to get into the whole, like, uh, you had brought up like gay marriage and I know that my listeners are going to be like, Oh, I have thoughts about this, but yeah, I feel like that's a whole, uh, can whole of other that I'm not <laughs> sure I'm ready to open today. Well, <laughs> yeah. So that's, uh, so yeah, I mean, but the fact is, is that you're talking about things and do you feel like at some point, some people, maybe family or certain friends or somebody don't like that you're doing this podcast or I don't know what the, Oh what yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I've had a couple family members just basically tell me like, uh, do what's best for you. Not that they like don't support it, but they're like, I'm not going to listen <laughs> and I'm not going to like talk to you about it. I don't want to talk about it. Sure. Um, yeah. which is fine. Cause I, I think I was there a while ago. Um, I I think talking is healthy though. It um, is. So yeah, so maybe maybe I will bring it up then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Could I before before we go in, I just wanted to finish yeah. like the last the last oh, bit. Please. I kinda went yeah, off yeah. on a little bit of a tangent. But basically that so where I guess that disconnect where you were saying like, oh, some people say cool, whatever, but I'm not gonna be a part or I'm not gonna listen. It's kinda like uh what happens in the post conventional stage where you know, 
you right now are willing to talk to people and listen to people with different experiences and different unique point of views. And so the stage five of that is like social contract orientation, where basically you're starting to see that like the laws are like more of societal contracts and not really like laws. And so like, here's a good example. You're reading the Book of Mormon, right? And then you're like, get to the part where Nephi, which is pretty early on, you get to the part where Nephi like kills Laman, right? Yeah. But isn't there a law that says thou shall not kill? Laban, right? Yeah. Oh, did I say Layman? Oh, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, remembered everybody. Ah. There, you go. there you go. You're not too far gone, right? <laughs> no, oh, but, it's stuck in there. Oh, it's there. But, <laughs> that's that's a good question, though, right? It's like, okay, why did Nephi kill Laban? Right? Like, why? Yeah. Have you ever asked that question? I don't know. Uh, I don't know if people get oh, that question. Yeah, of course. And I mean, what they teach in Sunday school was what, what did they say in the scripture? Like, it's better for one man to perish than a whole nation to perish in unbelief or something. Mm-hmm. So that's where that's where a lot of people can't change. And it's easy to read and be like, oh yeah, that makes total sense. You know, obviously the gospel had to come through, but. Now imagine that on your on today's level of like, okay, here's this law, but in doing something that necessarily breaks the law, you actually create more good. We in the mission, uh, and especially myself on my mission, we would say there's the spirit of the law and there's the letter of the law. And so we would kind of use that to help us judge, or at least I did. To uh, I'll just speak for myself. How about that? That way I don't yeah. have companions being like whoa bro what are you saying uh (laughs) but but what i did is i realized that there were some rules that would contradict me doing work like genuine help and a good experience that i had was well actually i don't really think it was a good experience at all i just i was actually really livid about it but there's there's a role in my mission i went to argentina resistencia shout out to all my uh, Argentina friends that may listen to this or not. Ooh, um, share it. <laughs> say, oh, yeah. Um, so what, ha- what happened was uh, my companion and I, we were asked by this one uh, member of the church. She was a single mom with like five, six kids, which is that's a normal scenario in um, Argentina. And one of the rules that was made in the mission was like, hey, just so you know, if you do not have someone who's old enough or a member of the church who has priesthood that's not in your companionship or a son who is like, oh, like a male older, presence, right? Yeah, they wanted like yeah. a male presence. We had, yeah, because, we had the same rule. Yeah, so yeah, like that kind of like that same rule of like, hey, there needs to be a male presence. And so it was... We it was try to keep to like the missionaries safe and to keep them from like getting in trouble. I oh, think yeah. like you know people maybe making up weird stories, things like that. Yeah, definitely, definitely don't want to have like a Joseph and Potiphar's wife type scenario where you're just like, oh, bro, I didn't even do anything wrong, and it's just like <laughs> I can't help. Like, there's only so right. much you can do. So it's definitely there's definitely a reason for it, but also it's like, okay, this woman had a 13 year old son and 
like six kids and I also had my companion and she was desperately, she just told us, she was like, you know what? I just could really use like a blessing. So we asked around, we couldn't get anybody to come help us. And she wanted it that night. And so we were just like outside her house. And I was like, look, elder, like we've done all we can, but let's still do this. And my companion was not having it. He's like, Nope, that's against the rules of the mission. We're not going to do that. And I think this is wrong. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, if we withhold that, you know, like helping her out and stuff, like, how's that not, how's that doing any good? Like, you know, I feel like there's just, like, what are we here for? Exactly. You know, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, look, you, we did everything we could, but I think this is an exception to that rule. And he wasn't having it. And so he called the mission president on our cell phone. We had like these little terrible flip phones out there. Uh huh. Yep. And I got yelled at by my mission president saying, Don't, well, not really yelled at, but he said, like, okay, tell me the scenario, tell me this. And President Franco is an amazing man. And at that moment, I was just, like, so against the decision of, like, hey, we can't do this. This is the rules. I'm not there to make a full, complete judgment, but this is this is more for your protection, so to speak. And so I understand, like, they're trying to protect me, but at the same time, I was so frustrated because, you know, I feel like I had this level of thought of where, you know, sometimes you have to bend or break rules in order to do good because they're limiting you from doing stuff that you're supposed to. It's like, I'm not going in there to like, uh, going in there for like personal reasons. I'm going in there because it's like, this woman needs help and she's asked for it. Who am I to deny her that? Like that whole respective element so Mm -hmm. uh, that's where i feel like a lot of people have issues and i've talked to multiple missionaries about it and other people Oh yeah, i had a huge issue with that i mean you've you've heard my first two episodes i had the exact same problem like Mm -hmm. the the fear of i think i was stuck in whatever phase that was the second or third phase but the the Mm -hmm. fear of like uh disobeying yeah of punishment of disobeying of uh or of withholding of blessings things like that yeah i think that that's preached too often um especially in mormonism but just in christianity in general Mm -hmm. um i i think your viewpoint is very healthy and it's a viewpoint that i i have adopted as well of like Mm -hmm. there's there's more of this gray area and um, I think that that is something, you know, members of the church need to adopt more. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's uh-huh. there, there's an aspect of perfectionism still within the church that I think is really detrimental. Like, uh, I remember personally even being like in high school and the, the girls in the dance club or for or whatever they they got to wear yeah any of the dance clubs like they all were wearing you know tank tops and mini skirts because that was the the uniforms and I was always passing judgment like like ah they shouldn't be wearing that but like it it was a it was a uniform for a dance thing like it's not a big deal right it's like okay calm down we're not sexualizing these girls this is the uniform like yeah, I don't know. I and so I see it in my own past, and um, so anyway. Yeah. Do you feel like that might have been result of not being able to question things, or was that just more like indoctrinated 
at church or at home or like is that um i think that i think that may have been like in and from what the way i was like raised Mm -hmm. um my family was particularly strict about modesty Mm -hmm. or at least with the girls um Mm -hmm. (laughs) i remember my i wasn't allowed to wear tank tops even around the house but my Mm -hmm. brother could wear my brother could have his shirt off he had his shirt off from the time he was like 13 till mm-hmm. he moved out. Like, I swear, I never saw my brother in a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> he just, he just loved to be shirtless, but like, I wasn't even allowed to be in a tank top. So, uh, yeah. I was always super like, I think I was, I was envious and a little, like envy definitely played into it. Um, yeah. and well, I think, it, I think you probably had like questions like, so why does he get to do this? But I don't. Yes, that too, for sure. Yeah. yeah, it's it's hard because like I feel like a lot of the stuff that maybe people get either caught up on or whatever it is that you sit there and have an issue with the church or maybe just, not even that, just like things that don't make sense. I don't know if... Um, I feel like when it comes to like modesty, definitely there are reasons for it, but also it's very much so like, okay, like how do you carry yourself? It's kind of like what, uh, what was his name that was on your podcast? He kind of described it pretty well. I really liked it. Oh, uh, Isaac. Uh, Yeah. Isaac. Yeah. He said something along the lines and correct me if I'm wrong about like modesty is more of like how you carry yourself or like how you present yourself. And so like, that's Mm -hmm. why you can go to like certain like tribes uh, that are completely naked, like uh, native peoples who don't really have a lot of technology and stuff or don't have clothes. Mm-hmm. All they mm-hmm. have are grass skirts and, you know, boobs are out and everything. And you're just like, why do they get to do that? Or like, and but you don't sit there and think like, oh, you're, you're being immodest. You're just like, oh, this is just, this is how things are. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Like so, culture and things like that. Yeah. So I think what happens a lot is, maybe we get caught up too much in culture and try not and don't really apply like um, that deeper level of thinking that I was talking about where it's like, okay, you have this rule, but if you're at home and you're by yourself, like, is that not an exception to the rule? Like who nobody's watching you or you could wear a tank top if you want, (laughs) like, like so that's those are that's and like know. and what what exactly constitutes modesty and what is it you're trying to do with that thing you're wearing i get that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um something that kind of along that same vein that we had talked about previously and that i tend to have i think a lot of people have problems with is the idea of like certain either commandments or or just things that prophets or leaders say being incorrect these Mm -hmm. leaders like claiming that what they say is god-given uh you know when it when later it's changed or it's something that sounds really racist or homophobic (laughs) or sexist Mm -hmm. and um but you know they claim to be these these men of god so like how do Mm -hmm. you kind of reconcile that because i know that I mean, everybody has things that leaders have done that they don't agree with. Mm-hmm. And um, so like, like, how do you reconcile when that kind of thing happens? I think 
it comes to down to what um what you read in the scriptures where they talk about you know re like uh like they'll bear fruit or something like that and you'll know them because you're you're experiencing what they're saying basically like you know you'll know them because you'll know their fruits or i'm kind of by your fruits you shall know them (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There you go. Two for two now. Just goes to show how much <laughs> more stuff you know, how well it is for you to draw it up. But that's that's the thing is I that... I have a good memory. Yes, thank you. Yes, yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think what happens is um, God knows that man is faulty. And he knows that prophets are faulty. I mean... Good example that we kind of talked about before is, okay, like everyone praises David from the Bible when he kills Goliath, but nobody really talks about that the same David is the one that saw, uh, what's her name? Is it Bathsheba? I can't remember her name, but she saw a girl bathing on the roof and then he mm-hmm. sent her husband off to the front lines to die so he can marry her. Like, that's pretty mm-hmm. messed up. And so, and there's more than just that one story of showing prophets and very important people like uh like peter denies christ three times um mm-hmm. judas samson. samson cuts his hair cuts right his hair. Like, yeah like and so the thing is is that if you're reading the scriptures and understanding the stories you understand that every time if you put your faith in that person things are going to be faulty so i think the ultimate test and it's actually going to segue into the sixth and last thing uh, of the post-conventional stage is that... Oh, there's more. You, there is. <laughs> there is. There's one more. There's one more. Um, and it's the one that rarely people get to, um, at least so that's what Kohlberg theorized. But it basically talks about how uh, it's called the universal ethical principles, where basically what you're trying to do is you're committed to good. You are committed to justice, even if the laws and the thought processes of those around you do not coincide with that. Good examples are like Gandhi. You know, he was trying fighting for freedom, got in prison. Batman. Batman. <laughs> I know like nobody agrees with Batman, but we all love what he does. Yeah. Like, oh, he's a vigilante, but yeah, he gets the job done. You know, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> See, so so there's this new level of thought that I think God wants us to get to and understand that, okay, people are undependable, everyone, including Joseph Smith, including the current prophet right now. Like if it came out that Russell M. Nelson, heaven forbid, something came up where you're just like, whoa, that is dark or wow, I cannot believe you did that. I wouldn't be phased because I'd be like, I was never following him. Did he say some things that were true at the moment? Yes. However, what he did is not, I'm not following him. I'm not following Joseph Smith. I'm not following Abraham, Isaac, like anybody, because they've all messed up, all of them. And I think what happens is when you're given that information, what do you do with it? Do you sit there and say, well, Joseph Smith, he definitely was abusing polygamy and basically being a pedophile. And I'm not proud that he did that. I said, I'm like, dude, you're an idiot. Like, like there's some stuff where you read in that church history where you're just like, that ain't right. Like, that's just, mm. that doesn't go with me at all. However, at the time when, you know, he was 
called to be a prophet and to do that work. I think he was for the most part trying, but I think that's just what it is, is that do you love God enough that even if everyone around you says that you're doing wrong for questioning things, are you still committed to trying to do better, trying to find it? And a lot of times that does result in people leaving, or maybe that just results in people taking a step back before they get really back into it. But like what you're doing right now, you're questioning things and you're willing to talk about it. And I think that's really good because you're not going to be liked for it, but Jesus wasn't liked because he was changing things and saying things that people just didn't like because it required you to think more and to push yourself further. And so, you know, that's, that's the hard part about religion and church and stuff is like, it can all get mixed up. But I feel like if you're at least trying to follow God and trying to be better, you'll be rewarded in that sense. But well, I like I, I like what you're saying here. Uh, you're talking about how you fo- you know you're n- you're not necessarily following the prophets as much as you are following God. Um, but then I think that that begs the question of why be an organized religion? Period. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I'm gonna use science to answer this one, which is gonna be really funny. Uh, <laughs> um. Do you know what entropy is? Yes. I, I mean, it's been <laughs> all right, a while. Right. You, you, can, you, can, you can at least quote the scriptures, right? I'll tell you the science. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> no, it's right. This is good. We're balancing each other out. It's great. So entropy. I mean, I mean, do it for the listeners. I know what it is. But oh, yeah. Know. Oh, yeah. Tell these guys. You, know. <laughs> right. you, you got it. You got it. Um, so, so entropy is basically, think of it like this. If you had a bunch of bricks and you just threw them into a pile without kind of organizing or anything, you just threw them up in the air. How are they going to fall randomly, right? Really randomly. There's not going to be any organization. There's not going to be any like perfect neat stack. So entropy is the way the world and the universe exists. We are in a constant state of not wanting to be together. And so when you're like, you look at, us as human beings just formed like that doesn't make sense because energy wise, like it would be better for the molecules within us to not be together because it requires work for all the metabolic processes and um, thought processes. All of these things to, to work requires energy. So entropy in its natural state just doesn't want to exert any energy and just be by itself unorganized. Okay. So, so at least for me, Entropy is a huge testament that there is a God because it doesn't make sense for everything to be compacted together, organized. And now we're human beings with complex thought processes um, that don't, it just doesn't make sense for us to be here without somebody putting us there or putting in the time and energy to create us. And so I feel like that's the same way in church matters because you, it's a lot of energy. It's a lot of frustration. It's a lot of pain. It's a lot of work. Honestly, I think that's why he calls it like, this is my work and my glory. It's a lot of work um, to put it together and to get human beings to just be nice to each other and to get them organized. It's like, it's how God brings about bigger things is that if you can organize it, 
then you can go out and do more stuff versus if everyone was just by themselves, I don't know if everyone's going to be collectively trying to help each other or supporting or creating instances where you can support people that have it worse off than yourself. Okay. Some, some means of like organization and support. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I could see that. Um, one other topic I wanted to touch on that we had discussed as well was the idea of like miracles and answers to prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, this, this was a big one for me, a, a big mm-hmm. reason I left. Um, I, f- I felt like there, I mean, I, I feel, I don't believe in God at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. And that mainly stems from me feeling like I was not receiving any answers. And so I had mentioned, I've mentioned previously this, like if there is a God out there, I think he's really hands off. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on like, miracles and answering prayers because it to me like you know they talk about in the scriptures they say god is no respecter of persons um so like why would he do a miracle in one life and not in another why does some person feel like their prayers are answered another one's not Mm -hmm. how do you reconcile with that well i think uh uh I think one of the hardest things that I always find contradictory, not in the sense that it's like, oh, this is going to make me leave the church, but it just doesn't make sense. Is like, for example, you say that, you know, miracles can happen and through like um, priesthood holders or through um, prophets and, and, or just God does it, but also, God has his ways and knows how it's going to work out and it's his will, not ours. Um, so it's like, okay, so if this is God's will and say I'm trying to give a blessing to somebody or trying to, uh, or maybe a prophet's performing a miracle. So was it going to happen if they did it or, or if they were a part of it or not? And it's honestly like one of the bigger questions that I'm not fully able to like answer, but to the best of my ability, I think what happens is um, when you have miracles, I think that they do happen, but we can't explain them like we can now. I think back then you have such limited technology, you have such limited um, thought processes, you have such limited ability to help people kind of reason or help understand certain things. Um, sometimes a miracle can at least, that's what was needed in the moment. But I think, I always think nowadays, like I am so blessed that I'm, I'm living in this time and this, <laughs> this day and age, because I mean, we have AC, which is super awesome. Um, <laughs> we, have, <laughs> we have carpet. Unless you live in Italy. Uh, that's true. That's the same. <laughs> Not a lot of AC here. <laughs> I'm just saying, you should come back to America. That's what. That's all. Moral <laughs> the story. Yeah, yeah, I'll be there but, soon. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think miracles um, are happening. They're just not as big as what they once were because they're not needed. Like, I think the miracle is is that you can organize enough people 
to go and provide service. I think it's really cool that in each, um, like in our elders quorum, we sit down and we talk about ministering and, hey, you're assigned someone, you should go check up on them versus having an angel sent to you, you know, like back then, not a lot of people were on the same page. We didn't have cell phones to like call people or we didn't have an understanding of certain things that we take for granted nowadays. So I think, I think when I look at miracles from scripture, and kind of like, it's just like, this is a last resort and there was no other option, but hmm. why, but it doesn't change the fact that, okay, like God, why is it that I am so blessed, but then I have to watch a movie or read a story about some kid that's been sex trafficked their whole life? You know, like, how is that fair? How come they're not being rescued or how come? we're not a part of that or how come, or how come we're, they're not being taken care of, but I'm sitting here asking you to like bless my meal, that it'll be healthy or something like that. when it's pizza. Mm -hmm. um, I think, I think what it is is because God has his church is wanting to guide us as a whole. I think what he's trying to do is trying to help guide us to help, others and be those miracles and be a part of them because maybe that maybe that's what miracles are nowadays it's like hey like the whole point of me putting a church on on or organizing church or organizing this religion is so that way you guys can come together and help solve problems and be there so you can be a part of that process and also understand just how bad things can get but also how good things can be um, so maybe that's, maybe that's what happens, but it's, it's, that's always like a really hard process or a hard, uh, it's just a hard question that mm. I still myself am trying to figure out too. But I don't know. What do you, what's your take, yeah. on that, I guess? Well, I, I appreciate your honesty. First of all, that you're not, that, that you're open to be being questioning on here too. Um, okay. I, I think that uh, what I have a hard time reconciling is again with the idea of God being the same yesterday, today, and forever, and like mm -hmm. miracles just stopping. Mm -hmm. um, like you don't hear about them or see them the way you used to, or the way you read about them in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And then um, also not, I feel like most things can be explained away scientifically um also a, a lack of just like answered prayers in my own life again i feel like if god is there then he is a pretty hands-off dude mm -hmm. <laughs> personally um mm -hmm. uh, so yeah that that's kind of my take on it yeah maybe Maybe what happens is he wants us to make our own decisions, but he he wants us to maybe use him as a as a counselor. So I can pray all day long to win the lottery, but until I start go buying tickets, you know, like there's not a chance that I'm just going to win it. Or and that's like a pretty bad example. 
because um, <laughs> you really shouldn't be praying for the lottery to begin with or spending <laughs> money on it in a sense of like, I'm, I'm just going to, that's all I'm going to put my money into. But I think what happens is, um, or maybe, maybe with, maybe with God, he respects us and knows that, Hey, you are here on this earth and you have all agency. You can do whatever you want. I cannot interfere. Why? Because that would defeat the purpose. Kind of like that first rule of, okay, I'm going to do this, but then I might get, yeah, or I'm going to, I'm going to hurt somebody or steal from somebody. But if I do it based solely on, uh, whether or not God's going to strike me down, am I really being good? Mm. So maybe where we're at now with us as a human species in our progression is that there's so much more available and a deeper thought process than what was before that maybe the miracles themselves are different. And maybe the prayers are not necessarily answered. Like I'm going to pray that, you know, somebody gets better. Maybe it's more of, I'm going to pray that I can do whatever I can to help the process of that person who is sick, or maybe instead of, just praying that they get better, I go visit them, you know, and maybe that's the miracle in itself is that you showed up when they had nobody. And so Hmm, maybe, maybe miracles change based on that kind of system, that, that moral system that I was talking about to the Hmm. point where now you're at a point where, okay, you have all this knowledge. We know a lot more than what people 100, 200, 300 years ago, all of, like all of them combined, like we have learned so much. And so maybe now that's the miracle and we have to be more active in it and we have to do it instead of just praying for him to take care of it. Because maybe, okay. I don't know. And like with, like with more knowledge comes more responsibility. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> With great power comes great responsibility. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but really, yeah. yeah. Oh, so, it's an interesting right. take. Yeah. yeah. Never thought was, of it that way. Yeah, me neither. This is the first time I kind of went through it, so <laughs> hmm. figuring it out together. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. But that's the thing, though, is that you asked the question, Ellie, and I kind of gave my opinion about it, and you're kind of talking about your opinions about it. And the thing is, is, like, that conversation – I feel like we're both walking away from it better, you know? Yeah, I agree. So I think that if people don't like your podcast, it's not necessarily like you have to listen to a podcast, but I think if it's something that makes you feel a little uncomfortable or maybe makes you question things, I think it's good. I think it's good that you can sit down and talk like this because I feel like more people need that. And who knows, maybe I'm going to get a lot of backlash for being on a podcast talking about stuff and be like, look, dude, I don't know. (laughs) Or maybe they'll be like, how dare you? No, no, I doubt it. (laughs) I I doubt it too. And I've got a pretty uh, forgiving following. (laughs) I think, I think, and you know, and that's, I, that's what I'm trying to make this place. Like I'm trying to make it kind of safe for everybody and a place where we really can question and talk about these things openly and just share our experiences. Like Mm I, I, I've, I feel like in my life I've tried to be, especially these last couple of years, I've tried to be um, 
really open. Like I just want to learn from everybody. I want to glean everything I can from every person, be a sponge. Yeah. <laughs> and just a sponge of knowledge. And um, so I hope that like with this, I can help people at least around this community to kind of understand each other a little bit better. Cause there's this, there's this disconnect between people who have left the church and people who are still in it. And like, even, even within my own family, like I don't claim to be some pro at this. Um, but I'm doing my best to foster these conversations because I want to make it um, a place of understanding for everyone involved because it, it is so hard when whether you're still an active member and a family member leaves or vice versa like me leaving and my family being active it's uncomfortable it's hard and sometimes you don't know who to talk to or uh, what to talk about when you're with them so um, hopefully here I can spark some conversations, some good ideas, and at least some comfort for, for people going through similar things. Yeah. I think, I think that you're doing a lot of good. And I think that in order to figure out stuff, you do have to ask questions and maybe it's hard to say this, but I feel like maybe your journey in not being a part of the church or just not going to it, not participating in it, that too can help you get some more experience. Maybe you'll end up going back, maybe not, never again. But the real question, or I guess the real thing is, is that to me, I just want you to be happy. And when family members, I hope that I can instill that with my kids. Um, I hope that I can create this environment where it's like, hey, if you're having questions, talk to me because... I may never know what's going on in your mind, but I don't want you to feel like you can't talk about it um, because of some reprimand or I'll be like, no, like this is wrong. I think more or less it's like, okay, let's discuss it and then we'll see what we can pull out of it. And so I think you're doing an amazing job. And like I said, like you're, you're reaching out to people like me. I was just like, I wasn't mm-hmm. To be listening to it or even be on the podcast but here i am and i'm totally enjoying it because i too am learning in the process oh good <laughs> i'm glad to hear that yeah well yeah. we've we've been here over an hour now so um <laughs> we'll i think i'll probably cut it off um unless you've got any uh, is there anything else you wanted to add um no i just say if Anyone wants to reach out to Ali or myself, if you're wanting to talk more, I highly recommend it because it's hard to find people um, who have similar questions and are willing to talk about it, or at least are open about it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, feel free to just reach out to me or reach out to Ali, um, talk about it. And who knows, maybe you'll be on the podcast too. And might have different opinions or beliefs but the thing is is that you're willing to talk about it so i think talking about it definitely just brings about uh that betterment for everybody yeah 100 um i'll i'll link uh your social media in the show notes so people can reach out to you if they want to um That'll do it. Thank you for having, or thank you for coming on today. (laughs) I'm saying, I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for being on my show. I mean, thank you for, uh, (laughs) (laughs) thank you for having me. It was super awesome. And hopefully we can do this again sometime.
Yeah, I'd love to. So thanks for listening, everybody. And um, I'll see you guys next episode.